ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 102 of Kaiju Curry House. Tonight, your co-host Joe is joined by Connor and Paul, and we are going to be going over the Iron Pyrite as sequels, Pacific Rim Uprising. Love it or hate it, this film has a lot to offer, and we're going to be going through it. But first, as always... We're going to ask our co-hosts, what have Kaiju been up to? Paul, I'm going to pick on you first. Take Thanks it away. very much, Joe. Um, first, of all, first of all, um, not what I've been up to, but on another podcast I was listening to, they mentioned a new game coming out that I just thought I'd give a shout out because the guy who hosts it is big into Kaiju and stuff. So um, it's called Vengeful Guardian Moonrider. It's coming to PlayStation and it's a 16-bit style game so think um revenge of shinobi or the, the kind of side scrolling from the mega drive or super nes days and all the enemies are influenced by yokai so oh, hey cool. if you like the yokai give that a go um, other than that i watched the predator because we watched Ooh. prey and i was like jar i really fancy watching another film in the predator franchise which one should i watch I went predators for the Pred so i went for the predator no I, I, was, yeah. I think i might do predators next you haven't seen Predators. I have, but you know, I'm just like, I, like I've seen the first it again rather than I've seen the first the so many times. It's like, oh, I want to watch something different. So it's like Predator 2, Predators, or The Predator. And I went with The Predator. Have you seen it before? Yeah, I've seen all of them before. Oh, okay. It's such a good film, isn't it? I forgot how good it was. I think it's even better this time around. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I really I might have been, but I don't think that influenced my decision. <laughs> oh, I, I, it was really good fun. The characters were all, were all great. I had a, you know, <laughs> I really like the cast in that. I think they were just. This just, doesn't bode well for tonight's episode, it's, Paul. It's, I have to say, it's completely different from Prey. Were you and won from over Predator. by a CGI mech suit? Is that what this is? The what? Were you won over by a CGI mech suit? What in Predator? predators for the predator well the native american wasn't wearing one no so. no. no the the only yeah the part i didn't like about the predator was the ending where they get the predator killer suit i was like oh i have that ruined it for me i have a bit of conspiracy theory about that scene uh because uh shane black who directed the pre the predator um asked arnold schwarzenegger if he wanted to come back to do like a cameo right yeah so i'm suspecting that originally the, <laughs> in the silo, they don't find the 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 the, uh, the robot suit. It was going to be Arnold. That's my oh. only. No, there were there were there were a few planned endings, and Shane Black did ask Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think that there was like a falling out. It was either over whether or not it was relevant to have the character there, and whether Arnold wanted to like be associated with that, mm -hmm. or whether or not it was like payment for the role because it is an iconic role of arnie's so that's true it was yeah. one of those things but at one time sigourney weaver was going to wake up from a cryo sleep there <laughs> oh, was no. yes. yes there was the, yes, yes. There was the and it was like a face hugger type like breathing apparatus that was going to be on her head there was an arnold schwarzenegger potential cameo there were lots of things discussed but oh and they why went they ended up on the mech suit i that yeah, was I don't, creative. It, just, it, it was just, creative. 
didn't but maybe fit. a bit much. We took it a bit far. We got, I mean, like someone should have reeled that back in, I feel. But I still don't get, so the predator, the, the little one, has come to the planet <laughs> to help us. And then he crashes his ship and then kills one of us straight away and, you know, hangs him from a tree. Who is he going to deliver this suit to? Was he going to like, I mean, seriously, where was he taking this? this Bold dude? He of you to assume it was a he. <laughs> the predator, whatever. Um, actually, I don't know if they, do they, that's something we haven't seen yet. Uh, we do I'm have sure. sexual dimorphism. It um, is a thing. Okay. The females are actually bigger. Anyway. Um, anyway, what? where was it going? Is, is the question I have. Earth. It was going to Earth. It was going to Earth. And it was, and it it was, was going to give this to people. Go to Area 51 and say, that, hey. That is, that is a huge plot hole, though. Why was it coming to help us? So if you delve into Predator lore, they're called the Yajuda or Yajuda. Yajuda is how I, I, I see it. Yajuda. Well, is that what we call them? Is that, is that or what... Yajuda, but Yeah, um, I found Yajuda, yeah. But um, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, from the Dark Horse it, comics. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway... Um, in, in one of the many different like lores that are out there, they were actually like a slave race. And I think that there's like a set, there is like a, a sense of like honor and not picking on those, you know, who cannot defend themselves and things yeah. like that. But I think that, you know, the idea of a predator coming and giving weaponry to already a very hostile race in their own <laughs> right, who have won on a couple of occasions, granted, they probably don't have the interstellar like nuking spaceships, but it's still, it's just like, why are you giving them a predator killer if like so many hunt them for sport like are you hunting non-sentient species now or like what is this is that like there were too many avenues left unexplored in that plot device to make it a good one yeah well, in my opinion there's also a lot of like deleted scenes and just uh, studio meddling with that film as well uh because uh if anyone remembers when there was behind the scenes photos leaked back in the day, which showed uh, um, predators, multiple predators, helping the humans with tactical sort of like army camouflage on their armor. Yeah, I do remember that. Well, uh, no, I and, don't remember any of that. And basically, um, well, what ended up happening was uh, NECA actually released figures of those predators. Gotcha. Even though, even though they never appeared in the movie. <laughs> So are they in deleted scenes in the like should I go through my Blu-ray extras? I don't know, I don't own the film. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a look at the extras and see if there's any anything about there. But no, I'm not joking. Like there's one of like the predator one of the predators in a tank and he's like uh, <laughs> he's holding the machine gun on the tank and everything. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, could have moving been. on. But yeah, moving but, on. So aside from that huge plot hole. Um, and the ending, I really enjoyed The Predator, and I look forward to watching the other Predator films and seeing if they've aged just as well. That's great. Yeah. Well, well um... and I also watched <laughs> Jurassic World Dominion. Oh, how'd you like that? So I got together with my friends, I had, they promised I had to shout them out, so Laura and Sally, uh, I went up and we made a big deal of it, so we like went and got some snacks, got some drinks, like, right, we're gonna we're doing this, we're all gonna sit down and enjoy it. And God, were we disappointed. What a bad film that was. Oof. Excuse me, you like The Predator, but you didn't like Jurassic World Dominion. I enjoyed The Predator way more than Jurassic World Dominion. 
I can sense and, the and the, the and the two hours the, the the ladies I was watching it with were no, I think very tempted to give up on watching the film. And they're like big fans, you know, of the of all the other films, but this one was just it wasn't a Jurassic World film. Well, I mean, obviously it was in it is in name, but what I mean, oh god, it was just oh no, terrible. So break it down for me, Paul. Where did Jurassic World Dominion go awry for you? Um, probably pretty near the start where it, the whole plot seems to circle around locusts not eating food grown by this biosyn company and the way they're going to link the two different casts together is oh, i don't know it's so, so so the, the clone whole, the whole movie the whole the whole movie, whole, whole movie stems... is is about biosyn which is the like the pre is like the competing organization with from InGen back in the original film. Yep. And Alan Grant and uh, Ellie, Ellie, Ellie Sadler. Ellie Sadler, Alan Grant, Ian Malcolm. Get, get back together again. Um, Ian Malcolm's now working on the inside of Bison. He's like a secret agent, um, it seems. And they need to link the organization with these locusts that are spreading around and, and eating all the crops up. So Ellie and Dr. Grant team up with the help of Ian sneak into the laboratories to get evidence to prove that biosync are, are baddies. Um, and at the same time, they're kidnapping the clone girl and baby blue to the same lab. And that's how the characters meet together. And I didn't really, I didn't really care for the, for the girl or for, Blue's baby, and I didn't care. Right, so I feel like but... this is oversimplification of a very topical plot. So <laughs> I just didn't right, care. So right, so right now, right now, in the world, we're experiencing temperatures and political conflict, which are really disrupting our food chain and food supply as human beings. Correct. Yes, correct. So mm -hmm. in Europe right now, the Ukraine conflict is going on, and we in the United Kingdom are feeling it because grain prices are going up. Now, there have been political treaties and falling apart of those treaties, but long story short, the price of grain is going up. The other thing, too, is the extreme temperatures across Europe and the UK recently, like over this summer, have killed a lot of crops. So to use an example, olives. So olives were not growing this summer because it was so hot and so dry. In Greece, didn't happen in Spain didn't happen um and even in Spain they were like okay the Ukraine they grow a lot of sunflowers for sunflower seed oil so they tried growing sunflower seeds in Spain still died so sunflower oil that's used a lot olives are used in a lot of things those are just two examples where the price is going to skyrocket next year and we are going to feel that and right now in China so China right now, uh, at the time of this recording, which is August 31st, a lot of folks I don't think realize this because it's not really being publicized, but China's temperatures are around 40 degrees centigrade right now in the daytime, which is unprecedented for China. They're 34 degrees at night, and it's been that way for weeks. So China manufactures a lot of the world's stuff, and because of the population density, the water is being sucked out of the rivers at a rate that they aren't really being replenished. So what you're looking at is just a disruption of food 
to the masses, it's going to cause prices to soar. And then on top of that, we have a political conflict where oil and gas are creating incredible surges in energy costs. So we in the UK are feeling that. Sorry for like the lesson in economics at the moment, folks, but I will tie this back to the large dangerous scaly things. Don't you worry. Anyway, so Jurassic World Dominion is about a genetically engineered super insect on one hand and the introduction of various invasive species in the form of genetically engineered dinosaurs, which can reproduce asexually. So basically these things lay eggs, even though they don't have a mate. So between the dinosaurs doing that, and then you have these giant locusts that are eating all crops that are not engineered by biosyn, you've got a major problem there and a major ecological disaster. The dinosaurs are bad enough, but the fact that the insects are eating crops and because they're so enormous, because they were genetically modified by biosyn, these are insects that escaped like a test group. And then because they're invasive in their own right, they've gone rampant. So they're developing into something which is just taking apart the local ecosystem. And then at the same time, our food pyramid so where the child comes into play from fallen or not fallen kingdom yeah fallen, yeah, kingdom. fallen kingdom yeah so fallen kingdom we've got this genetically engineered child well turns out she wasn't genetically engineered she was grown like normally you know baby in a bump but what her mom did is her mom had a disease that she as a copy you know like inherited so what her mom did is retroactively change her DNA with the injection of a special virus, which edited her genetic code. Now, viruses edit genetic codes. That's what they do. That's why when you get a virus, you never get that same strain again. It has to be a different strain that infects you. So for this Maisie, I think it is, yep. right? Maisie yep. Lockwood. So Maisie's genetic code contains this virus, which was able to edit her genetic code in the first place. So have scientists tried th this before? Yes, they have. They have tried viruses to edit in and out genes. They failed miraculously. All the test subjects developed a fever and died. Whether or not there's been any improvement on that, I don't know. But the last time I read the literature, which is about seven years ago, that was where it was at. So Maisie has in her DNA, because of this virus, which changes your genetic code, the virus becomes more or less a part of you at that point. So she has in her genetic code, the blueprints for this virus, which can rewrite DNA that only her mother was able to come up with. And her mother died of this genetic disorder. So Maisie's the only one who has these blueprints. Now, because the locusts are spreading and because like you're not going to be able to hunt down every bug in an ecosystem, that's ludicrous. So Maisie's DNA is needed to get the virus. Once you have the virus, you can use it to make the bugs sterile, right? So that's the only way you're going to stop this. These locusts on a tremendous scale, they're well nigh impervious, like they're the size of cats, right? So that's the way that you stop that. 
Now, biosyn and the dinosaurs, so the dinosaurs are invasive, but they're not that next level threat that the locusts provide. The dinosaurs are just being captured and taken to biosyn, who has this, I don't know what you call it, preserve, sanctuary. this sanctuary for them. So yeah, we get to see the dinosaurs and everything, but what they actually did with this film was create a much more intense or pressurized threat to the globe that the dinosaurs would never actually pose. So yeah, the dinosaurs are crazy, but have humans never hunted a species to extinction before? The dinosaurs are dangerous because of what they are, but if they wanted to kill that T-Rex, they could kill that T-Rex, you know what I'm saying? So it's one of those things where, yes, they could hunt the dinosaurs back into extinction. They don't want to. They want to put them in this preserve because dinosaur rights, whatever. I hear you. But the locusts, the locusts are tough. You can't just make mosquitoes go extinct overnight. And even then, if the mosquitoes were eating all of our crops, that would be a dangerous thing. So in terms of Jurassic World Dominion having a stupid plot, I don't think it has a stupid thought plot i think in today's economy and today's like ecological understanding it's actually a very timely film however when it was made they didn't know all of this was going to be happening so i think that it's kind of fallen into that and it's not getting necessarily the respect or foreshadowing that it tried to put out there now what i do like about jurassic world dominion mm -hmm. is the amount of practical effects so there are a lot of scenes in that movie where I had to go back and go, wait, that's not CGI? Because it's incredible. That Giganotosaurus, that giant, you know, like T-Rex killing monstrosity. So when it's walking around that car, it's in the trailer, folks. Hopefully I'm not spoiling anything for you. But they're, they're trapped on the other side of this overturned Jeep. And the Giganotosaurus is walking around the car. That, the thing's feet are CGI the rest of it is an animatronic. That's cool. The Dimetrodons were animatronic. The Dilophosaurs were animatronics. It was awesome. Those practical effects were so good. Granted, there's a lot of CGI too, but what they managed to get away with practical effects was great. And then we have Ellie, Alan, and Malcolm back in the film, which I think is great. Mm -hmm. I, I I love that I love their chemistry, and then like I I know that like some people may hate on this, some people it may not be their cup of tea, but I'm a hopeless romantic, and when Allie and Ellen weren't together at the end of Jurassic Park three, that tugged on my heartstrings. It never felt right for me to see them finally get together in like a friendship, romantic, like they always had a thing for each other, but it was never realized until this point. That was a good like closure to their story arc for this hopeless romantic. So it's not the best film. It fell into the current climate, you know, in terms of what's going on in the world right now. And the practical effects are really good. There was a lot of artistry that was put into that film. It also, it also has the Carnotaurus with the Kenner Wave 2 demon colors, which is Oh, amazing for this kid who grew up in the 90s. So like, I love it. I love it for all the right reasons, but I, I understand it is also at the same time a flawed film. 
there are plot elements and lines in that film that could be yanked out and streamline it. But at the same time, all that they do is enrich the world. So, I mean, like, I'm along for the ride. Why not? Sorry, rant over. (laughs) Wow, that was a good rant there, Joe. Um, I haven't seen the film uh, yet, but... uh... Get out. Because you've because you've mentioned the the Kenner colors, I just hope that there's like a pterodactyl that's like bright blue, you know, like the old Kenner pterodactyl figure. But <laughs> you got the bright blue pterodactyl at the end of the Lost World. You don't get it in that film. Oh wait, was it blue in the Lost World? Like yeah, there's a pteranodon at the very end that matches the Kenner Lost World toy line. I'll need to watch it. I know that it appears at the end, but I can't remember if it was blue or not. But um... Yeah, it's blue, yellow crest, yellow beak, red eyes, I think. Mm-hmm. You have a good memory. <laughs> I do. I think I remember, yeah, a flying dinosaur at the end of the film, landing on a branch. Yeah, that's, yep, about that's the one. It. Yeah, yeah, I could not tell you what colour it was. All right, Paul, we've taken up a third of this podcast. Well, now we really that. have. Yeah. So, Connor, you, you need to um, watch Jurassic World Dominion and let us know your thoughts. Because yeah. I, I think because we looked on the internet and it was it's being rated the worst out of all the films. And so we were thinking, oh, OK, think fair. we were thinking, OK, think it fair. can't be that bad. It can't be that bad. We loved all the others. But anyway, yeah, I didn't like Jurassic Park 3. Joe, what kind have you been up to? All right. What has Joe been up to? So this weekend, um, I am going to actually the Jurassic World exhibition in London. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. They have some amazing uh, animatronics there, some amazing puppetry, a Jurassic World shop. (laughs) I might spend some money. Anyways, um, I'm going there with the kids. I have dragged the entire family into this and we're going to go and check it out. We're also going to go see the Museum of Natural History because I am super geek. But uh, I've got that planned. In terms of other things, I have been scoping out the Blu-ray release that was announced for Legend of the Dinosaurs and no. Monster Birds. No, no way. Wait, there is a Blu-ray release? There, there is. is a Blu-ray release coming out, and right now it is hovering around $17. So I am going to be snapping that one up. Oh, yes, I am, Paul. Don't you judge. No, I mean, as I said, the soundtrack makes that film everything makes that film <laughs> i'm so, so folks if, if you have you seen it connor no i haven't seen it yet um you have to watch it it's i mean alex only lasted 30 minutes but i i persevered and watched the whole thing yeah so, paul and i powered through like <laughs> I've, I've heard of it but um when they so basically like our favorite scene paul and i have the same favorite scene so there's like I, this killer plesiosaur in the lake and they decide to like I, I don't know like the mayor of the town decides it's okay to have a country music festival and the, the stage lake. is on the water yeah and like this sounds to... this sounds a bit like Jaws almost like the mayor <laughs> the mayor's oh, of the shenanigans it's know. just it's 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 so, it it is ridiculously good it is not quite Tammy and the T Rex schlock but right. you will have just as much fun watching it because apparently. Dinosaurs and monster birds also cause earthquakes and volcanic eruptions simply by being, simply by being, by existing, they cause these phenomena. Yeah. You don't know how it works out, 
That's part of the legend. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. part of the mythos, Connor. Yeah, the only thing so that, good. The only thing I know about this film is there's no dinosaurs and there's no monster birds in said film. It's that's just... right. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, I dropped that one. Um, yeah. Other thing that I did recently is I totally binge watched The Sandman with my partner, and we absolutely loved it. I hadn't really encountered it before. I'm totally going to be picking up the books. But it has a gargoyle named Gregory. So large, dangerous, scaly thing alert. You can check it out. Gregory was cool. Um, anything else that I've been up to? No, that's about it. I am going to have some awesome large, dangerous, scaly thing stuff to report. I will get some videos up on our YouTube channel so that you can check out, see what the animatronics kind of look like. There's a few lurking around the internet right now anyways, but I'm going to show you the London one. Anyways. That's me. Connor, what have Kaiju been up to? I'm glad you asked, Joe. So, uh, first of all, um, I have seen Prey, finally. Um, that's, uh, we're continuing on with the Predator talk in the Specific Room podcast. Um, um, anytime. Anytime. Oh, yeah, so I saw Prey, and uh, it was good. It was all right. Uh, I still have the gripe about the CG Predator face at one point, which just seemed a bit unnecessary, considering they did make a rather amazing looking animatronic head um which uh, they just added like what they did was they i don't know how much of cgi they added to it but um it's particularly in the mouth area where they added like saliva and all that and it just kind of it's it a bit is hard to make an animatronic salivate connor you know this right that's true but it's still impressive I feel, regardless i feel of... like you're asking a lot so they haven't they didn't replace the whole head then they've literally just added well, a bit well, well i don't know because sometimes the way that these things go sometimes they do actually replace the full head you know like but then if uh, you can't tell then i mean it is it's it's pretty, <laughs> it is pretty jarring when you see it in the film you know it's like it does stick out but uh but uh, yeah, aside from that, it's it's okay. It's probably my third favorite Predator film, I think. Behind the Predator, of course. Nothing beats the CGI bear, though. The CGI bear, uh, I don't know. Bear <laughs> uh, was quite angry in Prey. Yeah, there's a lot of CGI animals in that film. Now I think about it. the fact. I think aside the dog, you aren't you aren't really supposed to kill animals, you know, not real ones. No. No, but um, CGI ones are probably pretty good. That's true. Yeah, um, I'm sure that. Um, I'll spoil this for you, folks. The dog lives. That's a shame. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I saw Prey. Um, I recently started replaying the game Destroy All Humans. If anyone's ever played that back in the day, um, they recently did a remaster of it on the uh, like. Well, not a remaster, a complete remake from scratch. Um, or current gen consoles and the reason i'm playing it is because the sequel uh, to destroy all humans recently got a, a remake as well and uh, that actually does have a kaiju uh, battle in it um because there's actually a level where it's set in japan and there's a kaiju in it called kojira you know <laughs> <they're>... <laughs> Um, that's not on the nose at all no definitely not on the nose it comes out of tokyo bay and it starts attacking tokyo and you've got to stop it so um yeah so there's that and um so and the third thing is 
as someone um, who has a flat, obviously you need to eat, right? And if you don't eat, you will die. So, um, <laughs> so um, I decided one day to go on a shopping trip to uh, basically pick up some food, and I was walking past HMV. So I'm like, okay, that's dangerous well, for anyone of our crew. Yeah, I'll, I'll have a look. I won't buy anything. I'll just see what's oh, yeah, on the sure, shelves. Sure. Yeah. Um, so like those things like Shin Godzilla is available for like seven ninety nine or something like that. So you can get that. But uh, there was um, a box set that I saw. Right, there's a very interesting box set. Right, um, and just. Uh, I don't know if we can share screen or not on this. Probably not, but um, if not, I suppose we can edit it in, uh, later. But um, I came across this interesting uh, box set here, right? If anyone can see that, yeah, that is yeah. that is so we've literally got... every monster film done by Legendary. Legendary yeah, so you got Kong Skull Island, films. Yeah. Godzilla vs Kong, Pacific Rim, Rampage, Godzilla King of Monsters, Godzilla, and The Meg. So why yeah. we, why do we not have Uprising in there? No, oh, I know. Companies. I know why. I know yeah. why. Because that those are all good films. Yeah. Plus, <laughs> plus uh, the fact that uh, Uprising was uh, made by Universal, whilst uh, ah okay um, was distributed by. So it's a licensing thing. Yeah. That, I didn't uh, realize the Meg was made by Legendary. Yeah, but the way that I see it. Um, this um i'm calling this the ultimate monsterverse box set so i think just to wind people up from now on we're going to refer to the meg and rampage as part of the monsterverse i think i think that's fair um but um, you know the meg sequel the trench has been uh greenlit yeah yeah i heard yeah um, i'm really excited for that because that has large dangerous scaly things in it didn't they do a sequel to the Meg uh, called The Lock? I can't remember if they did or not. It was like a, I think it was one of the books. So The Lock yeah. and Meg are both done by the uh, author Steve Alton, and mm. they do take part in the same universe. But so after, so the tr Meg and the Trench and Meg Primal Waters, that's a good trilogy. The Lock is a good standalone book but when they got combined that's where we enter the realm of poor writing decisions so i read i read the book that uh he he, he combined them and it has it, it's basically indiana jones and the legend and, and the crystal skull so we have interdimensional aliens really? Loch Ness monster what megalodons and it was just i was like okay when these were like prehistoric eco thrillers you had me man you had me but we didn't need to bring aliens into this it, it really disappointed me and it i mean when he was um teasing that la that book it isn't his last but uh, when he was teasing that book, he says, I'm going to go off in a different direction. with this." I'm like, oh, interesting. And truth be told, you know, like it takes place like underneath Antarctica in like, you know, Antarctic like meltwater where its own ecosystem has taken on, you know, like their prehistoric uh, caimans like Purosaurus. There's, Levi there's Leviathan Melville. 
There's giant anacondas, like stellar sea cow, like dugong type things. The and most like threatening creature of all. <laughs> well, you know, and they're all underneath this Antarctic, you know, like shelf when none of them actually occurred there naturally. And then we also have interdimensional aliens. And this guy, he basically has like, um, is it the Tom Cruise film that's like Edge of Tomorrow? Yes. Yeah, Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. yeah where he keeps reliving the same thing. Well, these aliens basically say like, all right, you can relive your life like seven times in order to get out of this thing. And like, but he doesn't like remember each thing. He kind of has like this vague like dream state, like what he should do next. And it's just like, no, what are you doing? No, stop. This wouldn't have to be the, the same character. Uh, main character from the Meg, which is played by Jason Statham. So I'm just imagining. <laughs> I think it actually is. Just give us a second. I will look up the title of this monstrosity, but keep talking, Connor. No, I'm just imagining. I got no stop, please. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So oh, it sounds like a sci-fi or asylum film, doesn't it? When they just like, yeah, let's just throw in an alien, just to oh, no. yeah, because we it... can. Well, listen, Legendary is already banking off the MonsterVerse. Why not do the Megaverse? Yeah, if that's the case. I mean, I don't see why we can't have the Meg in the MonsterVerse. Yeah, so, like, the Meg sequels are, like, The Trench, Primal Waters, Hel Hell's Aquarium, Origins, Night Stalkers, Yikes. Generations, and Purgatory. I'm curious about the one, uh, Hell's Aquarium. Do they capture the Meg? Hell's Aquarium was basically, like, a guy in Dubai wants all of these prehistoric creatures and it's like catch a meg okay it's jaws free <laughs> they just they want to put the meg in the aquarium yeah <laughs> it's jaws free <laughs> oh, yeah dear. i'm still looking for it it's it's hard to find on the internet i can't imagine why mm -hmm. um the lock heaven's lake oh i mean like the Lock series in order by Steve Alton here. I'm looking at this. Uh, I've forgotten. It was just such a repressed memory. Volstock. There we go. V-O-S-T-O-K. That is the name of that book. And oh my Lord. I did not enjoy it. <laughs> in oh, case I did already make that abundantly clear. So I'll just, uh, if I start reading the Meg books, I'll have to take that off my list then, you know, of like books to It's avoid. not even worth it. Yeah. It's just not even worth it. And then, you know, like, to like at the end of the book, to jumpstart tourism, they take one of the eggs that they find underneath Antarctica because like they know what's in this egg and they just put it in Loch Ness because of course, naturally it would hatch in Loch Ness, right? It turns out to be a giant caiman that eats everything and destroys tourism and is like attacking everybody. How could they have known? I blame the scientists. I blame the scientists. Those pesky scientists. At the scientists. heart of every poor decision, it's always the scientists, isn't it? Like, <laughs> they can't help it that their god, who was a writer known as Steve Alton, you know, like wrote this path for them. But yeah, Volstock was horrendous. But in terms of books, we do have Warren Faye promising that the final. Um, whatchamacallit fragment book yeah it's kind of be coming out so that's good he's he is working on that as we speak i imagine yeah he he, totally he was because I, I spoke to him about a month or two ago and he was deep in he was like yeah my i'm just 
I'm just writing. So he is, he is on the case. Nice one. Anyways, she'll get to kaiju letters. Yes, go for it. Oh, okay. Norman, <laughs> you start this off. All, All right, right, I can so, if you like, but I mean... You can start. I have one. So um, I just... I, I um, got two. One's very short, so I'll, I'll start with the longer one. But um, M. Bryant had commented on our episode 101 because mm -hmm. I mentioned her her game in episode 101 where she was having she was in she was celebrating episode 100 by having a lemonade every time we said the word kaiju um and legend this and, person is a legend and she was writing in to correct me because she actually lasted 21 minutes mm -hmm. I think I said 15 oh so, dear um <laughs> point of honor it's a point of honor yeah. how many lemonades you can take um yeah and, and she said she would like to see our own take on a, on a play along game you know whether lemonade's involved or not i don't know i mean I've, I've never really thought about how you could interact while watching unless actually no i can't i can't think of a way apart from nodding along or shouting at the same no you're wrong <laughs> which people probably do i'll get a lot of hate about my to, views on the predator. Be, there has to be like a good one that you could you could do in a kaiju film like in gamma versus Giron, every time someone says the word brains because the two space babes are trying that. to eat the kid's babes <laughs> so the two space this two space alien babes are trying to eat the two children's brains oh, okay so every time they say the word brains you could like have a lemonade yeah that or every time that gamera does acrobatics you know like oh. why not so yeah think of how people can interact with our show oh our show yes our show every time joe says anyway or anyways it was also oh. it was so wasn't it wasn't wasn't there an episode the one where joe no so. i said like like a like, hundred times like that's yeah. it like uh still have flashbacks about that how about, how about uh, take a drink every time Connor goes, ah, uh, you know, <laughs> the cardinal sin of uh, recording uh, audio saying, ah. Uh. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Yeah, um, I'm guilty of it. And also, um, Sally was just wondering if she'd won. Ah, yes. Tell you what, we will post the hat drawing at the end of this episode. Awesome. So there we go. Um, what did you have joe right so i have sam sam says congratulations on episode 100 you can tell that i've been out of episode thanks sam anyways yeah sam sam's a cool dude so anyways sam asks what is your favorite kaiju beam attack and then i had to ask him like what do you mean like Godzilla's heat ray or Ghidorah's gravity beams or like what are you talking about it's like no he was just like what was your favorite like finisher move like when was like the time that like you saw like something awesome like I asked him his for example yeah and Godzilla 2014 to kiss of death that was his that so was very cool what has been your favorite kaiju attack you know like let's let's list it out I mean so. The, the thing that gave me chills was Shin Godzilla going from fire to laser beam. Just when he's breathing, it just starts off as like smoke, doesn't it? 
gas yeah. and then oh, it turns that, to flame. Yeah, that is a, and just that, like, that's a good And that one. soundtrack played, I was just like, whoa, <laughs> that was amazing. That is, that is good, yeah. That's a great one. I feel like the 90s Gamera, when he absorbs all of the fire and then nukes yep. Gauss, that's a good one. The Godzilla King of the Monsters, the um, film that came out recently, uh, when he goes nuclear, thermonuclear, that's that's pretty cool one, you know, like mm -hmm. we're melting Ghidorah's there. So figure that deserves a shout out. Okay. Ghidorah was never melted before, if you don't mind. Um, I feel like I also need to say in Gamera versus Legion, where Legion like opens up and then like all the tentacly lasers come out and go pew, right through Gamera. That was intense. Was not inspect expecting that one. No, 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 no. Um, you know what, for me, a favorite one though, and this this is going to be with me to the day I die. Godzilla 1975, Terror of Mechagodzilla. When you first see Godzilla, you only see a shadow, and then out of nowhere is his atomic breath and Titanosaurus. It's like you know who you woke up, and he ain't happy. Love that one, Connor. You're being quiet. <laughs> Talk, dude. So um, I was going to say Shin Godzilla as well, um, but to be different, does Mechas count? Because um, yeah, I, I, I would say the uh, the bit in Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla of 1975 where um, Mechagodzilla basically goes all out with all the weapons and such. And Godzilla like catches on fire, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I don't know. It's just, I think it's like, there's not been a Mechagodzilla since that has just went all out just straight away. Just You, you know, know, like, it's really funny. So, like, when it was later in the 90s and I was watching that, I think I remember my brother John like saying at one point, it's like someone's just button mashing. They're just pressing all the buttons. Oh, <laughs> it's not working. Fire all the things. And the, the spinny head thing as well, which just comes out of nowhere. And it's just like, yeah. how does he rip his head off later on if he can just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 That was I cool. Mean, like he, he wrenched it off, you know, to be fair. So, I mean, like we're breaking threads at that point. I think that was part of it. That's true, but uh, yeah. Um, I think another good one. Um, I thought it wouldn't be threads if he was spinning around all the time, otherwise it would fly off. I think in Ghidra, the fear of the monster, just the Ghidorah just destroying things in general. I think just uh, when he starts uh, using the gravity beans, I think that's another cool scene. I think, but uh, yeah, that's yeah. As dragons count as kaiju, I'm gonna throw a cool, a few cool dragon moments in. He's an alien, technically. So, <laughs> well, yeah. So, yeah, but you kind of reminded me here. So, I'm gonna throw out a few, few cool dragon moments. Vermithrax pejorative, the princess moment, arguably one of the darkest moments in Disney's canon when a dragon toasts a princess. So, yeah, that that was memorable. Um, I'm going to throw out Draco from Dragonheart because there were just so many like cool dragony attacks in that. Of course, though, my favorite's like when he's trying to like whap Bowen with his tail and tries to slice him and just gets stuck in a tree and he has to turn around and go, huh? That was pretty great. 
And uh, finally, I am going to cite a Game of Thrones episode. I was wondering when I was going to get mentions. <laughs> yeah, so my favorite battle in Game of Thrones is the Battle of Winterfell with the White Walkers. I think that that was just awesome episode. But when Daenerys takes Drogon and she and the Horde descend upon the Lannister army as it's coming back from Highgarden and like you just see like this enormous honking dragon come over the hill towards this like basic phalanx of soldiers you know ready to like deal with the barbarians you know like okay this is cavalry for soldiers this isn't going to be good but you know like we're trained and then you see the dragon then you realize like you guys brought spears to a dragon fight that was that was a pretty epic uh, dragon moment yeah there's a lot of Jakaris going on in that one yeah. so and why not that was good. why not kind of at all i'm just gonna say jurassic world when the t-rex and velociraptors team up and fight the indominus rex who then gets eaten by a mosasaur because that was the most ridiculous and yet amazing thing i'd ever seen See, we can't have two antagonists, like two anti-heroes exist without teaming up. But they can't do a proper versus movie anymore. Batman and Superman, we got to team up. Godzilla and King Kong, we got to team up. Rexy and Raptors, two known enemies. Yep. Like, first gotta movie, got to team up. And with that, we will take our first break. Welcome back to Kaiju Curry House. Uh, this is an episode 102. I'm Connor. I'm joined with Joe and Paul. And um, we're going to talk about uh, Pacific Rim Uprising now. Yeah! Yeah, finally. We've, we've made it. <laughs> we've delayed it. You know. we, we, don't, we aren't known for waffling on this podcast. Never. But uh, we get nah. there in the end. But, uh, yeah. Um, I think... Um, this movie's terrible. Well, you know... That's I disagree. Good. That's uh, you shut your face. and I, I think we should hear over Jurassic World. And I think we should hear what, what some of our listeners have said because they've um, they've jumped on to comment with their um, passionate it's responses. Terrible, yeah, I know. <laughs> this film single handedly destroyed the Pacific Rim franchise. Well, there's that, and maybe the anime, but <clears throat> anyways, um, but uh, oh dear, but definitely, probably Pacific Rim uprising uh it's probably responsible for that but uh yeah what, what do people it, think connor tell, tell me tell me some, what someone's what someone said about the film well we'll start with uh brandon hickley smith um who mm -hmm. says um for the most part it was a pretty disappointing sequel in other words not as great as the first film although okay. i like the jaeger's na names even the designs were okay and thought the three main actors were quite good. That still didn't make me impressed uh, with the rest of the movie. Especially the tone, music, plot, humour. Oh, this is a long comment. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the tone, music, plot, humour, editing, and most of the new characters. Speaking of, which... <laughs> which speaking of which the whole movie... Sorry. Blah, 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 oh, God. Yeah, this is this is what happens when recording and haven't read this. Speaking of which, the whole movie having teens becoming Jaeger pilots felt like a ripoff of Power Rangers. The one thing I really dislike is how the sequel killed off Mako Mori, um, which it I think is a 
is a gripe that I think most Pacific Rim fans have, uh, including myself. Uh, she was clearly the heart of the first film and the franchise. She was giving the same treatment as Joe Brody in Godzilla 2014. Topical. But uh, <laughs> um, the visuals are also quite bland, probably due to many uh, broad daylight scenes. And the sense of scale was lame, mainly because the Jaegers and Kaijus were moving a little too fast. Um, so um, I'm curious, guys, uh, what did you think of the uh, the Jaegers being uh, Olympic uh, uh gold medal athletes uh, leaping over buildings and uh, basically moving like uh, not robots. I didn't really care. <laughs> I mean... So, it wasn't necessarily for me that, like, that can't be done. You know, like, you can do that in a movie, not in real life, obviously, but, you know, mm. when they jumped and did all that stuff, just that amount of weight, that kinetic force, like you don't see the massive reper repercussions of it. So in the final battle scene, they're, they're predominantly fighting in the city, like however many Jaegers versus Kaiju. Hmm. And when they're doing this jumping and stuff, the force that they're exerting on the ground, you have to understand that cities are built like on a honeycomb of like subway systems, power lines, sewer systems, access ways you know the feet underneath or the ground underneath your feet in a city particularly like a large city like it, it, hundreds it and fall. hundreds of feet down i'm sure like, yeah so like in godzilla 1984 they made this a thing godzilla walks down a main street mm. and like he stumbles over and like hits a building because like his feet are going through the floor because there's like no actual ground there to support him. Mm -hmm. Now, these Jaegers, I'd imagine they're roughly the same size. You know, like I don't, I don't, I don't know off the top of my head, but you know, like I think kaiju, they're bigger. I think they're they're kaiju sized. Yeah. And the yeah. thing is, is like they're running around like athletes. How are they staying above surface running like that? It'd be like running through sand, like you'd be like destroying the city. And when you jumped, you'd be like waist deep in like subway systems when you came back down. So the kinetics of it just don't make sense to me. So I don't like that element of it. I mean, Gypsy Danger in the first one where it fights in Hong Kong. Mm. So the dock sides, stuff like that, like I kind of get it. It's moving fairly slowly. So it's not necessarily exerting as much force on the ground in like such pointed areas. So like, yeah, like Gypsy is like totally mangling the street as it walks along. You see that well done. But in this film, with all the acrobatics and stuff that's being done, it just, it doesn't make sense. And I think the brain's able to, pardon me, it's able to catch that. Mm. So it, it didn't look right. And the CGI in broad daylight, like, well done. The CGI, it, it looks pretty good, right? Yeah. However, the, pro the thing is, is tonally, I didn't like that. So what made the first film really cool? So the best fight in Pacific Rim, it isn't the end battle, it's the middle battle where Gypsy, this old analog Jaeger, has to take on like what, two kaiju at the same time? Yep. And it's done at night in the rain in a neon city 
So on the one hand, you have it at night where the kaiju are glowing, which as an art design, as a character design, that was great. And then in Hong Kong, with all these different lights, it's gorgeous against like a giant creature or a giant mech. But hmm. what really made it pop was the reflective surfaces of the Jaeger. And yeah. the Jaeger itself, Gypsy Danger, was pretty dully colored. But in Hong Kong, it lights up. And then this synced up with the internal like HUD displays that the pilots were seeing. So you, it kind of made them feel like they were part of a fight, you know? Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed that element of it. And it just had like a great kind of Top Gun feel to it when Gypsy, like this older, like, you know, like mech that didn't really, it shouldn't have had a chance. It was unsuspected and then it totally pulled it off. Yeah. So that was the good stuff. But here... We just, we have too many failed plot devices and and it was, it was going for scale, but it wasn't going for tone. And I think that that's where they messed the mark because Pacific Rim had a really original concept and what sold that concept was the beaten up like world that these people lived in where the lore and the tone and the established characters made it feel real. And then they kind of made it into like more of a cartoony like Power Rangers sort of feel for the next one, which tonally that shift was enough that like the fans of the original going to see the second one who thought they were being sold the same thing, of course they didn't like it. And well, I was one of those. I love the original. We also have like okay. the uh, the the one Jaeger, like the 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 girl builds, like the the oh, scrapper. 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 Yeah um yeah like i get like it's something like a kid made but at the same time like scrapper's design does not fit with any of the other sort of like jaeger looks i don't think you know it, i think well, no, it, was, it was made by a kid it, it's not gonna it should, they didn't have trillions of dollars you know no no but it's it's uh, made from like stolen jaeger parts but that that's what i mean you like um I don't know. It looks <laughs> to me like a Transformers movie, especially. Yeah, Spider it looks a bit like Bumblebee. I'll yeah. just be honest. Yeah. Um, but um, well, I'll tell you what it reminded me of. Um, you guys probably didn't collect these, but uh, when I was younger, uh, there was uh, a series of like uh, figures that Lego released called Bionicles. Does anyone ever uh, remember? I know about Bionicles. I know the name. Yeah, I vaguely remember it. Yeah. Well, I had these as a kid, and there was like a specific. I uh, totally get what you're going for now. Yeah, there's a specific bionicle uh, sort of like creature called like I think it was called like a bull rock or something like that, and it was basically you build your figure, yeah, and then you can turn it into a ball, and then you oh, can okay. just roll it like that, and that's what Scrapper looks like. Scrapper looks like that and functions almost exactly the same, you know. So it's yeah, it's very yeah more kid-friendly design more yeah more I, I thought it was going toy. for like um hulkbuster it reminded me so much of hulkbuster yeah i suppose um when did uh avengers uh, i know like the hulkbuster suit has appeared in the comics before the film but um oh well when did avengers come out well yeah oh, did, did Pacific actually, yeah. come out before, uh, uprising come out before avengers i couldn't tell you that mm. <laughs> 
It might have done. Oh, God. I don't think Did any it... of us care enough to look it up. Goodness no. me. Um, I mean, they're both terrible movies, so it's fine. Yeah. So, no one cares. Uh, so let's <laughs> say, uh, Kerry Littlefield wrote in, and she said she could list a hundred reasons why she hated the film, despite only seeing it she, once. I, we've spoken to Carrie before, just in the group. We know that she liked the original. Okay, yeah. well, um, she's actually given us a few reasons why she didn't like it. So, again, Makamori um, being so dirty, uh, being done so dirty by killing kill her off in the most stupid way possible. I think... Um, fair well, enough, we don't, I... yeah, we don't like her dying. Well, it's not just uh, my brother got uh, played dirty. Um, uh, the characterization of Newt from the first film as well. That's actually no. Someone else said that. I'm going to quickly hijack to go to Dave Lant, who said I lost. It lost the sense of scale of the first. Jaegers moved too easily. Why did the kaiju not head to Mount Fuji in the first movie? Good question. And they ruined Newt. Well, that's true. Um, well, the thing as well is that. Um, I like Charlie Day. I like Newton, the first film. I don't think he makes a threatening villain just because <laughs> it's Charlie Day. <laughs> oh, you know, um, I don't know. It's just. Uh, no, that's fair. I'll it, carry just, with... it just comes out of nowhere as well. And it's just. So uh, we, I feel like what we need to do is we need to summarize this film. So, oh, can I can I just carry on with the comments? I quickly want to give all our listeners a more, tra a more trashing. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so Kerry carried on to say having really cool Jaeger kaiju hybrids and then doing nothing with them. Um, the kaiju from the first one we're trying to get to Mount Fuji, factory rock, factually wrong, unless Trespasser had decided to take the scenic route for the opposite way through San Francisco. Drift training with a brain in a freaking jar. Where did that come from? Was never present in the first film and doesn't fit the law finding compatible pilots. Scrapper. Just just scrapper. Um, and I have no idea this is. They actually use the Trollolol song. Oh, I forgot about that. They actually use the <laughs> Trollolol song and showed the character pulling it up on YouTube while piloting the freaking Jaeger. I d what, what is that? I What's the Trollolol song? Why, why is this a bad thing? I mean, like, oh, is, oh, sorry, is this yeah. strike a nerve with other people? Is this a pop culture thing that I completely missed and how well people up? So the Trollolo song's a meme. So they inserted internet memes into uh, Pacific Rim. Okay, so, I'm not down with the kids, clearly, because I did not get that meme. Yeah. <laughs> it's So it's a... It's basically it's an old video from, like, the 70s or something of a, of a Russian singer. Just, oh, uh, yes. Yeah, okay, just, yep. He's like, -la 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 -la. yeah, like, it, like that keeps him calm or something, doesn't it? It's like my mum used to play it to, yeah, keep me calm. Yeah, it's just okay. I had no idea that's that. Um, Simon Jaeger says lazy sequel, but on Twitter, we've had a few positive comments. So, um, a real human keen said it's not on the same level as the first, but it's a really fun film with great effects and set pieces, great mecha design, and I think superior kaiju to the first movie. Ooh. And Derek Mayer says I apparently thought it them's was, fighting words <laughs> i thought it was a decent and a lot of fun definitely didn't hit the same level as the first film but giant mechs fighting kaiju is always a good time and i think i'm gonna agree with derek that yeah it's not the same as the original it doesn't hit those highs and it's a completely different tone as you said joe but it was still fun i still enjoyed it you see i didn't i didn't have fun with it so uh, for me okay. and this is this is a reoccurring 
thread on this podcast. Joe yes, likes the lore. You do like the I lore. Mean, love I the lore building. Lore. And Just like they did in the Predator. Loads of lore about Predators in that. Just saying. Shut up, Paul. Anyways, um, going back to this, some of the comments that we've just had illustrate how lore was disregarded. So the kaiju needed to get to Mount Fuji or like a large volcano. There are no large volcanoes in San Francisco. So what was Trespasser doing? Makes no sense. I mean, in theory, like it was the first one. Like people wouldn't have known what to do. People would have been scrambling like, what the heck? It could have had the clearest shot to Mount Fuji. So yeah. why didn't they just send like a big hulking thing the first time? No, it was supposed to be like, again, the dinosaurs, they were terraforming earth, you know, like blah, blah, blah. It was their stage one. And like now they're sending out everything, you know, like to like rid the world of us. Like, excuse me, like these city stomping behemoths, that was, that was like getting rid of you. Or you could have just sent one from the beginning to just fall down a volcano really i mean i don't i don't i don't see it now i mean i mean there's flying kaiju as well so yeah, <laughs> yeah there's there. flying <laughs> kaiju why are those things going into hong kong if they could just go to fuji but it's again like maybe they're like that disregard the lights. lore and again mako mori like she was so cool she deserved to go down and like if they were gonna kill her off to go down in like a blaze of glory yeah like, like pendicast did in striker eureka you know like yeah fight until like the bitter end and all of that like she was awesome but she didn't get that she died in the helicopter which i get not everybody cool dies in an epic way no but, but for that type of for that film i mean they could have her in a cool way couldn't they well, yeah it, and plot again, didn't seem to matter in this film i think giving whiny brats jaegers too yeah talk about that like, like undependable people let's give them a jaeger yeah where is the other jaeger pilots where are all the parents seriously <laughs> like they um, they could have they could have done a better job like okay you're you're the son of a legend awesome Give, let's give you a giant mech no that, that's not how that works like if anything the political system has shown us that you just because like the parent did a good job you don't give a role to their kid and i feel like that was just not something that needed to be here and then additionally like re-entry trajectory for striker or <laughs> what was it what was it Gypsy so Danger 2.0. Yeah. Like, Gypsy Avenger. Uh, Gypsy uh, Avenger. Yeah. Gypsy Avenger. How are we doing this? Because it takes NASA a lot of effort to do that, you know. And they, it looks like they just kind of winged it and they ejected. So nothing was even steering the damn thing. No, you know what I'm wondering is why those Jaegers even still in use when they clearly uh, closed up the, uh, the rifts. No, like, um, in the first film so it's like that's something i can definitely say though i would i would totally just have jaegers on a standby because aliens opened up a rift once who's to say they wouldn't do it again we can keep this fleet in reserve but you know hey and then like they gotta be useful in construction right yeah who knows yeah i suppose yeah anyway, anyway i don't feel bad about buying the the 4k edition that comes with three copies of the film 
oh hey look what i've got as well <laughs> three copies of the film so you've got blu-ray you've got 3d blu-ray and then you have 4k are you forgetting something? There's also the digital download as well. Oh, sorry, and the digital download code. Though. There's four copies of this. Why do you... So forgive me, but like every other 3D Blu-ray that I have, the the regular Blu-ray is on that disc. So why are really? there three discs? Yeah. It shouldn't be, surely, because... Well, I, I, don't, I don't quite know the size of the film, but compression and stuff, it, the highest quality would surely be a disc to itself, wouldn't it? Would it not need that much? I don't know how no. much space it takes up. But I know the 4K disc obviously takes up a whole disc. All I can just think of is how nauseating the uh, the Jaeger uh, 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 um, the Jaeger's jumping about to be nauseating over time in like uh, 3D. I think, but it's um, oh dear, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just all right. So someone sum up this film, right? Like, why are we? All right, this film. The, obviously effort was put into why did we not enjoy it like sum up the plot one of you yeah okay. i mean again we want to say that no one set out to make this a bad film no i think they wanted to distinguish it from the original by saying let's go different let's go bright let's go vibrant we're just going to do daytime fights not nighttime yeah we're, we're going to have kids rather than adults but they they just part, I don't know. part of me thinks guillermo del toro didn't want to make a second one so he, they just he uh, wanted to, uh, oh, no. yeah. He was, I mean, he was originally signed on to do it, hmm. maybe. Um, <laughs> I'll need to look that up, but uh, yeah, yeah, he was. But then, um, legendary got like you know, how we said the rights, this wasn't a legendary film, so when it was legendary, Del Toro was going to do it, hmm. and then the company, I guess, bought the rights to it and he got kicked aside. Possibly. Um, With Del Toro, it's probably other projects. I don't necessarily think he gets kicked aside out of anything. True. Right. Yeah. But, um, yeah. But yeah, the plot. So uh, the plot is it takes the place. Ten, it went wrong. Ten, ten years after um, the first film, uh, we follow uh, Jake uh, Pentecost, played by uh, um, uh, John Boyega, who is the uh, son of. Uh, Idris Elba's character, who's never mentioned in the first film at all, he's just no, he's 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 there, and uh, he's he's up to shenanigans. Um, for some reason, he's living a life of squalor or something uh, like uh, just uh, squatting in the in mansions and uh, stealing Jaeger bits for like uh, shady people, um, and basically comes across a a, a young girl who can who has managed to basically make a homemade Jaeger out of scrap. And shenanigans ensue where they both get arrested and they're forced to rejoin the Jaeger program. And, uh, yeah. Um, and basically the Jaeger program's under threat to being replaced by drones and uh, stuff happens, I guess, <laughs> where, where it turns out... Um, um newt from the first film has been sort of like being mind controlled by the uh what was it the precursors, precursors yeah yeah that's right yeah and he's uh somehow he's managed to rig all the drones with kaiju juice i guess or kaiju blue stuff i don't, I don't know and uh basically it's up to our uh um our heroes to stop uh the uh 
the kaiju from doing something to Mount Fuji, I guess. So, yeah, that's and they pull it off. They do. Yep, good guys win. Mm -hmm. That's right. Ha happy ending and uh, a stinger at the end as well, which probably won't get a sequel. But um, yeah, such a shame. They did. Yeah, they did plan on having a sequel, but yeah. So that was the most rubbish way to describe Pacific Rim Uprising. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. Um, Just basically, John Boydega is living his best life where he is end up get, he ends up getting captured by Jaeger police. And then he has to do his community service by being a Jaeger <laughs> pilot. So anyways... The Jaegers that are replacing these Jaegers that you can pilot are secretly kaiju in disguise because one of the scientists from the original film got brain happy with a kaiju and yeah. he has been converted. I, I don't and, like that idea at all. But Yeah, he was doing weird, like they showed weird stuff in his bedroom. I, I don't like that. But... Um, Anyway, they take out the kaiju uh, mech hybrids, and then and that, other. I say it's really cool when they become like when the kaiju bursts out of the mech. It goes very Evangelion, like Can I just, mode. One thing that was uh, bothering me is how did none of the engineers that were working on these drones like hmm? There's some blue fleshy bits in here. Um, it's automated. <laughs> It's he said, I think he said 38% of the facility is automated, so he did it in that 38%. But you still need people to, like, uh, in most situations where, like, say, car factories, which most car factories are automated, you still need someone to make sure the, the things are <laughs> that's what That's what the film says. I'm sorry. Yeah, but the thing is, like, that's not how engineering and, like, project management work. Like, you, you don't get that sort of thing passed through quality standards. You really don't. Well, no. Anywho, <laughs> anywho, monsters arrive. Monsters yeah. combine. Yes. It's a devastator. It's a yeah, it's a yeah. devastator. And uh, Devastator kicks some <laughs> butt. Kicks a lot of ass. And then decides to just march its way up Mount Fuji. Doesn't run, mind you. It could have, but it's it got doesn't. all the time in the world. Yeah, it's got all the time in the world. It's I mean, granted, you know, like this, they lost, you know, the precursors lost before, the kaiju lost before. And we were just shown like what four mechs versus one kaiju. So they had like time to plan. It was evident. We're going to walk up the listen, side of the mountain. Listen, Japan's a very beautiful place to yeah. basically sightsee. So and it's just it, taking in the scenery. Yeah, it's about to give its life. Away. So it is enjoying its, its um, last moments on Earth. Yeah. Anyways, they strap a rocket to, uh, to Gypsy Avenger. Gypsy's hand. Yeah. And like the payload of that rocket versus Gypsy Avenger's weight. Would it have really taken Gypsy Avenger into space? No. I don't know, folks. I don't know. But anyways, Gypsy Avenger comes back down, lands on a kaiju, and the day is saved, and community service is fulfilled. The end. Yay. <laughs> so as long as exactly... you don't focus on the plot, 
it's fun. Do you remember? All right. So there is a great group of folks like Honest Trailer Reviews. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Honest Trailer Reviews for the original uh, Pacific Rim are amazing. It's got everything your 12 year old self would love <laughs> monsters, robots, robots fighting giant monsters, colors, a doggy. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> everything. And then, like, oh. they made a film that was even more far-reaching and ridiculous and then they just destroyed the lore and made their own thing which is why it failed not through any lack of effort on the digital creative team the folks that did the art the animation like all that stuff is great but just yeah the parts well, yeah. didn't equate to something larger. Than I've just been Googling it and Del Toro was heavily trying to get a sequel done. Right. So he was, he had wrote a script. Um, he had, he had gone to the studio and saying, here's a script. Uh, this is how much I need. And then when Legendary was sold, it seems that got the, um, the production going saying, yes, we definitely want to do a sequel now. But a few months after, Del Toro handed his stuff in. The studio announced via Twitter that they've got a new director and a new script. Right. So, so basically, the fire, they fire them via Twitter. Can we? I want to know what. Yeah, I want to know if we can see his. But he apparently he stayed on and he did. He was the producer for the film. Just, just bear in mind it's not called Pacific Rim Two, so they could easily make. <laughs> Yeah, That's I mean, true. like, after yeah. Pacific Rim 2, all they got to do is give Netflix the right for a uh, sequel series. And that's 10 years after. I mean, if his sequel set before that... Yeah, the what, they, what they should have done is gone before the original Pacific Rim movie to the original fighting, like, the first Mac versus Kaiju fight. And maybe they know? did. Someone's going to have to try and find the script. True. Well, yeah, there, there's a comic. It's called Pacific Rim Tales from Year One. I don't know like, if that's still Taurus script awesome. though. <laughs> no, but it's awesome. Like if 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 you went back and did a prequel that way where Pacific Rim is the conclusion to it, yeah. Like, it would have been mean. fun. Did anyone um out of curiosity catch uh, the uh the little product placement from NECA figures in the uh, in this movie? I didn't know. No, but know. I saw the Godzilla Kaiju names. Yeah. Well, in the, the very start of the film, or near the start, I think it's about 20 minutes in, 15 minutes in, whatever. Um, they walk the start past... of the film, 15 minutes in. <laughs> they walk past a lab, and it's full of those um, kaiju figures that NECA made for the oh, first okay. film, right? And it's like, uh, oh, look, you can buy these NECA figures. And then you like, you look on like Amazon or eBay. It's like, oh, they stopped making them. And they like go for a fair <laughs> bit. It's like, so no, you cannot get these figures anymore. But um... I did really enjoy when uh, you see like the list of kaiju that they've eliminated. Mm -hmm. And they all have like traditional kaiju names. Like one was Gigan, one was Roran. You know, like they were really cool in that respect. But yeah. it was just kind of like a little Easter egg in the background. That was fun. Actually, um, it's funny that you mentioned like uh, the likes of like Godzilla and all that, you know, or like Godzilla-related monsters. I'll give Pacific Rim Uprising some credit. Unlike the MonsterVerse, they actually fight in Japan. <laughs> There's like uh, Godzilla 2014. That, that shot's fired. 
Godzilla 2014 has a scene in Japan at the very start as well as like when uh, the guy gets killed, I suppose. Uh, Brian Cranston's character gets killed, but um, there's no fights in Japan in any of the MonsterVerse films at all yet. So who knows? I mean, we've got a new MonsterVerse film coming out, so maybe it'll be in Japan. But, uh, no, uh, no promises there. I imagine. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, yeah. We need to wrap this up. Yeah, we I'm do, sorry because we're being negative. Yeah. <laughs> We don't like bashing films here, but there was just when you see a film get like this kind of budget and just not deliver, kind of makes you sad. But oh well. Anyways, if nothing else, folks, Paul, if nothing else, I guess I can't say what specific ring uprising because most people have said they don't like it. <laughs> I can say watch the Predator and um, and hopefully enjoy that. <laughs> oh. Or even better, go to the Facebook group and vote which film you'd like us to discuss next. Because we vote have a poll which film you like the more, The Predator or Pacific Rim 2? I think, I think it's Godzilla 2014 at the moment that's winning. Ooh, I'll be glad to uh, to watch that and uh, try and uh, brighten my TV screen so I can actually see what's going on with that one. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, so if nothing else, go to uh, Facebook, UK Kaiju fans, and join in on the poll to say which film we'll be discussing on the upcoming episode of Kaiju Curry House. Do it. <laughs> right, I'll go next. So go to the UK Kaiju Facebook group or tweet us at Curry Kaiju which film you would like us to watch next. Suggest Legend of the Dinosaurs and Monster Bird. <laughs> no, we've done that already. <laughs> no, you can never see that movie enough times. I haven't uh, seen no, it. So things to look out for, folks. So um godzilla singular point has had a second season greenlit which is exciting hey. news so i'm going to plug the first season of that do pre-order the legend of the dinosaurs and monster birds if you like a schlocky good time fun film um i will say if you are a native of england scotland or wales we do have jurassic park the exhibition in the excel center in london for a little while so now is the opportunity to go and check it out by all means give it a whirl um aside from that i mean like paul you just blasted jurassic world dominion but again i'll say it was an okay film actually i will say it's probably one of the more kid-friendly versions of any of those films believe it or not the baddies get eaten all the goodies live there's very little swearing and there's very little on-screen gore. So you could potentially like show rather yeah. young children that film and see if they enjoy it. Um, what else? What else? What else? What else do I have to recommend? Ah, uh, yes. Disney Plus has announced a Kong series. No. You hush. So Joe DeVito, who we have interviewed on this podcast is a main creative influence on this series meaning kong king of skull island which in this humble joe's opinion is the definitive kong story could be seeing a series adaptation it is so good i prefer it to the monsterverse version any day of the week not saying the monsterverse version is bad by any stretch of the imagination but 
the Kong King of Skull Island has just the 1920s Victorian pulp fictiony kind of vibe that I really love. It's it's very E. B. Burroughs or um, uh, it's just fantastic. I, I don't know how else to say it, but totally check out our episode with Joe DeVito and then brush up on his books because what Disney Plus does with that um, material is likely to be very good. Connor, take it away. Well, um, I would uh, recommend reading the, the Meg series because uh, I haven't read them. So, um... first one's pretty good. Which <laughs> is also pretty good. Um, if nothing else, also um, don't watch Pacific Rim Uprising. Watch Pacific Rim. There you go. There we go. All right. Well, folks, we will put the hat drawing at the end of this episode. So keep listening. And uh, as always, keep it kaiju. Names from all the different people that asked us questions for the 100th episode. Oops, some people fell down. Sorry. Want to make sure that you're in there. Sorry, those uh, those uh, those names are now no Shake, shake, shake. <laughs> shake, shake, shake. All right, and I cannot see it. Now I definitely can't see it. I'm gonna pick. See, this is the problem. I use like post-it notes, so I gotta. Make sure you get there. <laughs> Sticky post-it, yeah. All right, so one. I have to put my glasses back on for this. So weird seeing about glasses. Two. <laughs> Who are you? It's like Superman and Clark Kent. Like, it's like, yeah, it's like <laughs> Superman. Like, it does work. Three. Oh, man, all three of them were like green post-its. I had four colors, but they're all green. All right, so we have Tom Tyler. Tommy boy. We have... Emma Bryant. And we have Dave Lant. So there we are. Uh, congratulations, everyone. Yeah. So we will message you. We will get your addresses and we will send them out. Thank you for participating in our 100th episode. When we do 200, we'll have to see what we have for a giveaway then. Thanks, folks. We we'll appreciate well, it. We'll have a real Godzilla suit to sell. <laughs> we might not have Can a real Godzilla suit to sell. <laughs> But anyways, thank you so much for participating. We really enjoyed all your comments. Yeah, thank you. And we look forward to seeing the pictures of you wearing our merch. Yeah. Have a great time, folks. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.